Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of One Trick Peony Podcast. This is all about gardening and as you can tell from my accent, I garden in Scotland. Over the coming weeks I'll be discussing my plans and ambitions for my garden, some of the challenges I'm aim to garden as organically as possible. In these podcasts I'll discuss some of the methods and products I'll be using. I'll talk about some of the triumphs and perhaps more importantly, the failures and challenges that gardening on a heavy soil brings. In this week's episode, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my garden. I'll be telling you about the wildlife pond that I constructed last year and building of a log pile for insects and hopefully amphibians. Also, I'm going to be discussing what hopefully will be getting up to my garden this week. That is, of course, if it ever stops raining. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the show. And once again, welcome to One Trick Peony Podcast. Welcome to One Trick Peony Podcast. There's something ironic about the name actually because I don't have any peonies in my garden. But maybe this year will be the year to get one. My name's Colin Ogilvie. Uh, I'm an amateur gardener. I, work, I live and work in central Scotland. I live in a town called Motherwell, which is just southeast of Glasgow. I live on the edge of Strathclyde Country Park, which I'm very fortunate to. It's a beautiful park, full of wildlife and beauty. I garden in the grounds of a 85-year-old bungalow with established gardens. Although for the last few years, I don't think much has been done. I bought this house in 2015 and I've been tinkering away, but this year, I want to garden with a wee bit more intention and thought, in particular thought to the environment, to what, to, to what I'm doing to the soil. The soil is perhaps one of the greatest challenges. It's a very, very heavy clay. In fact, last summer when I was digging out a wildlife pond, um, it came out like big blocks of modelling clay or clay that a potter would use. It was quite incredible. And the deeper I got, I actually came across flecks of coal. The garden itself is south-west facing, which is great. It gets a lot of sun, 
certainly in the back and there is one border in particular that does really well gets lots of sun and heat and warmth and the plants just love there there's also pockets of shade that i have to deal with as well and perhaps the last five six years is all about just exploring that seeing where the sun falls and and where the shadows are um, and trying to work out what will grow there also been really keen to encourage as much wildlife into the garden as well. I have two dogs um, who tend to discourage the wildlife. When I first moved, I was delighted to have a resident toad. I had a pile of wood at the back that had been left by the previous owner and he had moved in. Um, but at the time, the dogs thought he was great fun and they didn't hurt the toad, but they were determined to play with him. And I think um, the toad got fed up and disappeared pretty quickly. One of the things I would love to see this year is to see some wildlife in my pond. Last year, I loved to see uh, water boatmen and pond skaters and all sorts of insects uh, use the pond. But uh, I really want to see some amphibians, frogs and toads and maybe even some newts. It's a work in progress. It really is. And that's what this podcast's all about. It's about my attempt to fashion something that works for people but also works for wildlife and nature. I'm going to try and garden as organically as I possibly can, not to use peat-based products, not to use anything that is not renewable, um, and think very carefully about the choices I'm making. But I'm also going to share with you the things I'm planting, the things that I, I read, the things that uh, I experience in my garden, a little bit of the wildlife that I see. Um, and I'll share the successes and the failures too. So there you are. If you would like to carry on listening, that would be great. I'm going to talk today really about the jobs that I've got on this week. Um, I'm recording this uh, in early February 2021. Um, and the garden's just about waking up and I've got seeds ready um, and I'm just bursting to get going. So there you have it, a little bit about me, a little bit about my garden. And so let's hear and get on with my podcast, One Trick Peony. One of the major projects I've had going on in the garden is to create a wildlife pond. One of the most effective ways of attracting wildlife into your garden is to provide water. It provides a habitat for all sorts of creatures, amphibians and insects, and also as a source of drinking water for birds and other animals. I had a space behind my garage which measured roughly three metres by two metres. It had been slabbed and a long time ago there had been a greenhouse and then a shed upon it. I brought down the shed uh, and lifted the slabs and wondered what I was going to do with this highly compact, compacted piece of ground. I've always wanted a pond. I've always loved them. I think water just enhances a garden so much. It's not a huge space to put a pond in, but then again, you don't need a large space. I've seen people use washing up bowls to create mini ponds on their patios or balconies. One of the things when it comes to thinking about a pond is to think about the requirements that life will need for it. 
you need water, for example, obviously, in a pond. Um, and rainwater, by far, is the best solution. If you collect rainwater, which uh, I, I would recommend that you do, um, it comes without all the chemicals that goes into tap water that makes it safe for us. But a lot of these chemicals are highly toxic to animals. I didn't have the option. I didn't have that much rainwater to fill my pond. So I did use tap water, but I left it a good fortnight um, because that process uh, of it being exposed to the air gets rid of the chemicals. I'd hurt my back over the summer and this obviously was a real drawback. Uh, thankfully, I had two good friends who came and dug out um, a 60 centimetre deep pond. It's roughly kind of oval shaped. How I, I came across the shape really was I got a bit of old hose piping um, and put it on the ground and, and tinkered about and played with it until I got a, please, a shaping that was pleasing. Oval shape or, or kind of kidney shapes are reflected in nature quite a lot. So if you're wanting a, a wildlife pond that looks uh, authentic, um, perhaps you should think of that. But in reality, it, it, wildlife doesn't really care particularly much about the shape your pond is. They should come with different levels. The, what they call marginal plants and marginal dwelling animals love shallower water. 60 centimetres would be too deep for them. So around the edge of the pond, or at both ends around the edge, there are shelves. If I was doing it again, I think I would put that shelf all the way around. But at the time, you know, I was kind of <clears throat> making it up as I went along. So it is what it is. The other mistake I made in digging it was not to put in an escape for wildlife and animals. This is essential because if something falls in, it needs to get out. And amphibians also need to come onto dry land as well. They need places where they can get out the water to breathe and rest. So having uh, a little beach area, very shallow beach area, is great. It also allows birds to come in and drink. What I have done, realising that I didn't do this original design, was to put a wooden ramp in from one of the shelves out so hopefully anything that does go in can clamber out but I think maybe this summer I will alter the shape um, which is a, a tricky process since it's got water in it but try and create a shallow beach area just to make it a little bit more attractive to wildlife. It has to be deep enough to contain water obviously. It has to be deep enough to have places for shelter for some animals. Also plenty of planting and I'm going to talk about planting later on because that still is a work in progress. I had to hope that this project would have been ready um, by the summer but it was not to be due to my back. There's about an area around about which I'm going to plant up and again I'll talk about that later. But that's how you dig a pond really. You decide on a shape, you can use a piece of old hose pipe or rope or anything to let you tinker about to find something that's pleasing to your eye. Because of course, not only is it to be attractive to wildlife, you want it attractive to your family. Another concern to think about, particularly if you have small children, is how deep do you want it to be? And if you have very small children, but you really want a pond, maybe looking at using um, a, a washing up basin or some kind of shallow bowl set in the ground. You can attract, I've heard of folk attracting frogs with something as simple as that, so it doesn't need to be a pond. And of course, something like that is much safer 
if you have young children. The other thing I added to this wildlife area, as it will become, is a log pile, which was a bit of an issue because I didn't have any logs. I wondered about going out and collecting some logs. I'm lucky enough to live near the countryside and there's plenty of logs. Now, when I read up on it, I was advised not to. This is because you may be introducing something into your garden that really shouldn't be there. Also, particularly this time of year, which is February 2021, February, the winter and the spring, you may be disturbing hibernating animals by moving logs. So it's best to leave them where they are. If you've got a friend who's chopping down trees or, or bringing down large hedges and you may have some logs, that would be a good idea to see if you can take some of these. I'm sure they'll be delighted to let you have some. So what I did was I took some wood from the old shed where the pond is now and I'd place it to one side, not really sure what I was going to do with it. To be honest, I think I was going to throw it in the bin, but never quite got around to doing it. I noticed that it was beginning to rot, and I thought that would probably work just as well as logs. So at the bottom of the pile, I placed some of these planks of rotten wood, and on top, I put some of the cuttings from a lavateria plant and a forsythia, and a few other things I've been pruning over the winter. And over the time, I will just let that build up. And hopefully that will become a great place for amphibians to shelter, for insects, for all sorts of things. It's, it's as simple as that. When I did read about it, which I did after making it, which is I would not advise you do, I would advise that you maybe have a look on the internet at how to make a log pile, I discovered probably I should have dug a shallow trench out that is beneficial for some of the the wood at the bottom to be semi-covered by the soil. But I don't think it's probably that necessary, that it will still work nevertheless. So that was really it. And these are the two simplest and most important things you can do for wildlife in your garden. And hopefully over the coming months, I'll talk about what I find in that area. The other thing to tell you, about the wildlife area that I put up, it was a Christmas gift, was a bug hotel. This is um, this is a, basically, it is what it sounds like. It's a hotel, it's a dwelling place for all sorts of insects, particularly bees. Mine has some pine cones at the bottom. It's in the shape of a house. It's got a, a kind of um, corrugated, no, not corrugated down. It's got a, a an aluminium roof wooden sides and a wooden bottom and it's split into two, um, four sections at the bottom. There are some pine cones and that hopefully will attract uh, nesting ladybirds. Uh, above that there is a piece of wood with a, a vertical slot in it and that's designed for butterflies to, to rest and, and breed in. Although uh, I have read that you have to watch that wasps don't take advantage of that. Then above it, and for, for most of the Bug Hotel, there are varying sizes of cane, hollow cane, and that's for solitary bees to nest. Leaf cutters and mason bees love these things. And then above that, there are just a few bits of wood held in by some chicken wire. And that's for all sorts of assorted helpful beasts that you might find in the garden. So I, I look forward to seeing what inhabits that. I'm going to plant up that area with um, plants that are good for pollinators, so try and encourage as much wildlife into that garden. 
What I'm going to do um, as well is put on a blog to accompany this podcast and I'll put up some pictures, um, but that is indeed a work in progress. So there we are, a pond and a log pile. Relatively simple, relatively easy to do. The, the pond, I will admit, is hard work or, well, was hard work for my friends who actually dug it out. As I garden on a really heavy clay soil and it was the soil was coming out in blocks, a bit like a potter's clay. Um, they were cutting squares of it out. In fact, when we got down to about two feet, we were actually beginning to find flecks of coal. This area once was hallmarked by the number of collieries and coal mining went there. And, and I was surprised to see how how shallow the coal was. I mean, there were, there were tiny little flecks. I'm not going to start a nice coal fire with anything. Um, but it was interesting to see. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of fun. And it's great. Over the summer, although it wasn't really ready, I had lots of insects. I had water boatmen and pond skaters and lots of things that I don't know. And, and this is one of the things I'll be doing as well. I'll be trying to discover uh, and identify the insects and life, hopefully, that will come to the pond. But there you go. If you want to attract wildlife into your garden, a log pile and a pond. If you don't have a garden, why not use an old washing up bowl on a balcony? A few plants in it, which I'll talk about in a future podcast, and off you go. So I really hope you've enjoyed this first episode. I was thinking about doing this weekly. That is probably going to be impossible. Um, I'm going to try and do it fortnightly uh, and just talk about what's happening in my garden. It's February, middle of February 2021, so the garden is waking up. The weather has improved considerably since the beginning, uh, and I'm looking forward to getting on to lots of tasks. Well, thank you for listening to One Trick Peony, this new podcast about gardening in Scotland. I hope you're all well, and I hope you may come back. This is Colin Ogby, wishing you good gardening health. Bye-bye.